Robin, and we have now in the studio with us, as we do the last Wednesday of every month, we have Peter Woods. And Peter, who's that Scott guy with you? Uh, I think it's Scott. <laughs> I'm not sure. Usually he's on special, go? folks, usually he's on special assignment, checking on suntanning lotion, make sure it's applied properly all over. There you are. There you are. <laughs> I razz him about it a bit, but actually he does do a lot of work. He oh, does. Brad, you know, um, I hope you're comfortable down there in Florida. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting in your seat, though, in the studio because you're not here. And uh, I'm getting kind of used to this. I might just, you know, fill in for you quite regularly. <laughs> Brad, uh, you should have seen Scott when he came in. He had the big puffy jacket on, the big uh, rabbit skin hat or whatever it was, the gloves. Yeah. He looked like Doesn't Randy even... in Christmas Story walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> but he but he looked warm as well. Does he have his mucklucks on, though, I want to know. Oh, yeah. I do, Brad. My Steiger mucklucks. And I don't know how... Uh, yeah, these are very warm. But I, I dressed the, the, the right. role for you today since it was 30 below zero when I left my house 50 miles north of Duluth. Well, here, guys, I, uh, to start the segment off today, I was going to do this early on because I had heard Kenny and Neil talking about the cold. I mean, it's so brutal cold right now. But I got a real short poem for you. And then I want to talk about what happens in the woods? Do people actually log in this kind of weather? So let me give you my very short poem first. It's it's from a Scandahoovian, and it's called A Minnesota Poem. It's winter in Minnesota, and the gentle breezes blow, 70 miles an hour at about 35 below. Oh, how I love Minnesota when the snow's up to your butt. You take a breath of winter air, and your nose freezes shut. Yes, the weather here is wonderful, so I guess I'll hang around. I could never leave Minnesota because I'm frozen to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> just a little cool so, out this morning, huh? Yeah, just a, just a shade. Well, so I, I'm kind of curious, Brad, with this cold weather, this extreme cold, how is this for your industry? Uh, for us in the timber industry, you want this cold. You really do. Like for us, really? this severe? You, you want it real cold, really, wow. really cold with not much snow because um, no matter what, the ground holds a certain temperature of like 57, 56 degrees. No matter what you do, you get so far down. Well, to get the swamps frozen, that you need that real harsh cold to push the frost down into that warm ground. And you got to keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Otherwise, you can't cross those bad swamps. You can't cross real soft ground. So for loggers, like for us, 20 below is our cutoff to go out in the woods. So we didn't go out yesterday or this morning. Some people it's 25. Some people it's 30. Everybody has their own different uh, levels of where you want to go out. But what we have found in the past for ourselves, our own family, is it seems like after 20 below, it doesn't compound a little bit out. The problems compound out severely after 20 below. But as a loggers, as a whole, forcing we want that 20, 30, 40 below even for a short time. For making real good ice, like on lakes or something like that, I think right around 20 below is a perfect temperature because it doesn't get so harsh so fast. It doesn't get as brittle. Well, the woods is the same way. A 20 below level is really good because it pushes steady, steady, steady. So instead of getting, let's say, six inches of frost in the ground, now you may get down to two feet. And you need, you need that thickness to freeze that ground really good so you can hold the semis. When you're coming out of there with 100-plus thousand pounds, it's got to hold that truck yeah. up. 
and you're coming out of those areas with those semis where you, in the summertime, you couldn't even go with a four-wheeler to go mudding or something like that if somebody wants to do that. Yep. You yep. can't even do that in the summertime. Yeah, Brad. You're, the, the, you're talking, uh, well, you guys are talking especially about areas, uh, good logging areas that are on the edge of peat swamps, right? I mean, that's the only way you can get across them. Yes, you, 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 you can go across swamps, but it's financially disastrous to do it. You have to have, because there isn't enough wood dollar value on the other side of that swamp to build road. So what yeah. you want is you want that real severe cold, you tramp the swamp, get it frozen, then you scrape it and you keep it scraped. And just one night of this won't do it, but you need it several days in a row or maybe warm up to zero and then down to 20 below again, that kind of stuff. Well, Brad, real fast, when Peter says you tramp the swamp, he's not talking about tramps running around the swamp. Um, no. He's talking about you know driving over the ground over and over and over again, which drives the frost down. The limiting yep. factor is not the guys, to be honest with you. It's the machinery. And mm-hmm. uh, the machinery is going to get damaged between 20, 30 below, anything colder than that. It's just not worth trying to run that machinery. However, on the sure. way down here this morning, I saw empty logging trucks heading back up north again. They'll leave those trucks loaded, running all night long, so they're warm. Sure. And then they're running down. They've already been to Duluth and dropped off a load of wood and going back for another one. Mm-hmm. And, well, and- I, would think, uh, I would think even if you don't do a lot of logging in this particular kind of weather, you could do a lot of hauling and a lot of cleanup. Very simply, yeah. That's um, a great idea. Some some will keep going in them in twenty five thirty below, but for like us, we'll work like for ourselves. We'll work in the shop and just do maintenance, so that let's say tomorrow if it warms up enough that we can go, we'll be going again. And some guys are going steady. You know, to do yep. stuff on your equipment, you need a heated shop because to be outside to work on bolts and nuts with your bare hands. It gets pretty brutal. It does because it's it was thirty below this morning. You get up and you look, and it's like, oh, man, this is going to be cold out there this morning. But you come down the hill, and you see it looks like the lake is on fire because there's so much steam coming off of it oh, everywhere. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's actually a beautiful sight when you come down the hill, actually. Well, it, it is uh, d- during certain days. There's other days when you get the wind effect just right that it just blows in and fogs up everything. But, but yeah, it is rather beautiful. Let me, let me ask you guys uh, on a whole other area. Have you had a chance to examine the new tax bill at all? And I would assume, Peter, you as an independent logger, you probably deal with some of that, what they refer to as ta- pass-through taxes, right? Um, I don't do... My wife is an accountant by trade. She keeps up on it. Oh, she she talks okay. to... Our, who we, we have an accounting firm in Duluth here that we hire on a regular basis. On a, okay. I forget what they call it, but like a retainer. A retainer. And they do yeah. our taxes, but she she is by trade an accountant, which is extremely beneficial for us because you have to pay attention to what goes on at the government level. You have to, because if you don't, it's like a friend of mine from Montana, he's a logger out there, okay? And he always had this, he's the first one I ever heard the saying, but it's actually from years ago. And the saying goes, the world is run by those who show up, Okay. <laughs> Yeah. It's so true. The first time I ever heard him say that, I thought, wow, that is so cool. And it is. And so if if you don't pay attention, if you don't show up for things, even you, you know, you may not be a good public speaker. You may not be able to do a whole lot. But even if you go to a meeting just to show up in their faces in the crowd to show concern, that's huge. That may be your Boy. spot for listeners out there. That may just be your only spot. But still, yeah. it's important to show up. So as far as like taxes and that, yes, it's 
very important what's going on at the national level, and it's important that goes on at the state level. And you have to be involved. Now, like myself, I don't really go, but um, somebody I know does go to Washington on a regular basis, and usually if he's not going to suntanning lotion somewhere, but he does go to Washington. <laughs> but it is extremely, extremely important to be up on these things. But as far as as far as the taxes and that, yes, we will be paying attention to it. There are some things that we can do this year yet because of what's going on next year. And you want to combine both this year and next year, but they flow separately at the same time they flow together. Right. I'm not describing it in a real good way, but it's the only way I can do it in layman's well, terms. Uh, let me ask uh, Let me ask Scott Dane a question directly. Scott, uh, a big part of your industry other than loggers like Peter are the equipment end of it. And there's some provisions in this new tax bill that will allow people to buy equipment and write it off immediately that they may not have wanted to do or could not have afforded to do without these changes. Isn't isn't that kind of right? Yeah, you're right. Actually, they've had the uh, rapid depreciation um, in the past um, temporarily and stuff. But uh, this this will be a good incentive for guys to, to invest in equipment because they can do, uh, in the, at least in the past, uh, Brad, they can do 100% write-off in that year as opposed to spreading right. that o- out over five years and stuff. So, no, uh, I'm sure that the um, um, tax bill um, will have some favorable um, provisions in it for the logging industry and the businessmen and women that make up the logging industry. Well, I'll tell you what, that, these are some of the things we're talking about this morning, guys, are things that we don't even t- consider uh, when it comes to logging. For example, uh, Peter, you and Scott both were talking about you love it when it's this cold because you can drive across areas that are, in a, are inaccessible any other time of the year. Right. But then later on as we get into spring, then we've got to deal with road weight limitations, don't we? Yes, that comes in the springtime. It'll start anywhere from the first part of March to April, right in that category, because the ground, what happens, you'll get warm days, but then it, the the frost is thinning from both ways. It's thinning from the ground sure. underneath that you don't get the cold to keep pushing it down, and it's thinning from the top, and the weight limitations will come on in March somewhere usually, and then you're, you and the ground will get too soft. So the cold weather... I always thought the perfect world was frozen ground and 50 above. You know, it's it's not real uh, reality, but you always wanted that scenario. And you only get it maybe one day or two days out of the year in the spring when it's just beautiful, gorgeous, and the ground is frozen rock hard. But that would be the perfect world. But reality is, is then the warmness comes, the ground softens up, and you're done in a short time in the springtime. It depends on the weather, and that's what we're so related, is weather related sure. so greatly. Well, as I heard Scott mention the fact, and, and you did you referred to it as well, Peter, that the biggest thing when it gets 30 below or whatever is the wear and tear on the equipment because really it's almost impossible to use a proper lubricating equipment. Yep. If you've got, if you've got uh, hydraulic equipment, uh, you're going to freeze up some of those hydraulic lines no matter how hard you try yeah. to keep them going. The you? oil gets thicker. It gets harder for it to move. Um, if We have gone from when it's been like 10 below and then the temperature starts dropping during the day. We've gone into 30 below weather, but we're everything is running go into it. It's warmed up yeah. and it's going. It's If you go out there right now and start equipment, you could, you may get going, you may produce a product, but what we have found is a lot of times you're going backwards because the machines are so stiff and so harsh, 
And I've seen metal that is inch thick when it gets cold will snap like a like a like an icicle. It, oh, yeah. it gets so brittle. It's just and and the wood when it's being loaded, it gets real lot lot slipperier. You wouldn't think it, but loading roundwood onto trailers right now on a day like today, after it gets a cold a couple of days, that that wood gets so ungodly slippery. It's like trying to grab a greased pig. It just slides all over and it gets frustrating. But that's part of how it is, and the wood will sound different in everything. Sure, sure. Well, I, I even remember, you know, the couple of years, couple of seasons that I worked in with my uncle. Uh, you know, you'd get those choppers on to stay warm, those leather choppers, yep. and then you got frozen snow and ice on the logs. Like you say, you're trying to grab it, and it's like trying to grab a slippery eel or something. Yeah. It's just sliding all over the place. It's sliding constantly. Now you're putting it on there with a cold bucket on a loader, hydraulic, and it's metal, and it can get a little frustrating. But you you got to get used to it, but it is slower. But the newer trailers that we have now that are called crib trailers, it kind of holds them in a box. It's way safer and way easier that sure. it holds them in place, and the chance of it coming off is way, way harder. That's why hopefully you don't see any loads dumped on the side of the road. It's They are safer, yes. Yeah. Well, Peter, we're going to go on with uh, with the segment here, but before we do that, I do have to ask you, how are you doing physically now? After a show a couple of months ago, you were going in for uh, surgery, and it was very, very hard surgery, and you were filleted open like a fish. <laughs> how are you feeling now? Uh, I feel 100% better. It's still a little bit sore here and there, but as far as my health and that, it's, the doc said it'd be a full year for 100%, but I w- actually, I went back to work within about two weeks, actually, and I wasn't supposed to Did for about a month. Really? Oh my God. <laughs> I started going right away. I, I was probably doing stuff within, a, actually doing stuff the day I went home, actually, but very, very slow, very slow, but uh, I was probably pushing it sometimes too far. And, but yeah. that's my nature. It's how I am. It's, I'm not. I have a hard time sitting still. It's like 100% full bore. I'm not hurting now, but you'll be hurting later, kind of. So Brad, you, Brad yeah. real fast. Yeah. You know, the loggers have a unique work ethic. There's no question about that. My son worked in the woods for three winters for Darwin Rasmussen. And uh, after the first winter, he had a couple of days off, and he was going stir crazy. And he said, those loggers ruined me. He said, I don't know what to do with a day <laughs> off anymore, you know? <laughs> You get used to it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Well, I'm so glad you're you're doing better, Peter. But thank you. uh, Let me ask you one more medical question. Did your body ever really kind of give you an indication that you had a major infection? Did you Um, did you realize something was amiss here? Probably the last couple of days. There was something really wrong. It was only, but it was coming on for. It probably was coming on for years. The doctor yeah. did say you have an amazing, um, um, it's amazing how well your body adapts to this stuff physically. And I'm very thankful that I'm still breathing to tell you the truth. But from a childhood, well, you know. It, it, probably the only reason you are is because you were in the shape you were from doing your kind of physical labor on a regular basis. Um, Otherwise, I don't think the average person like myself <laughs> could have lived, lived there's through no, that. There's no S on my chest, okay, listeners? There is not. <laughs> I'm just like anybody else. But the truth is the doc said if you were diabetic, overweight, all kinds of things, he said, yes, your life would have been in oh, jeopardy. Yeah. Then there would have been a huge indifference, but um, the best thing is if you think you have some kind of medical situation, the best thing is to go in. It is because I was, 
you know how you get irritable about things? And I even told when, when I was in the emergency room, I said, I'm not afraid to get up and walk out of here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't. I was not. I was dead serious. But after listening, I thought, shoot, I better stay. <laughs> yeah, you better stay. Well, look, we have to take a, a break here. we got to pay some bills. You know how that goes. Yep. Uh, but we'll do that, and then we'll come back with our uh, loggers uh, with Peter Woods and, uh, of course, Scott Dane, and we'll be right back. Did you miss Brad this morning? Catch Sound Off on your schedule. Download the podcast today at 710WDSM.com. Whether they take you to the rack. Murphy for Minnesota. Gets in. Put back to Jordan Murphy. Or dial it up from three. Prayer, another three in the air. Got it set play or streak ahead on the fast break we've got all the action right here on the gophers sports network from learfield the gophers take on harvard saturday afternoon coverage starting at 12 30 6 10 and fm 103.9 kdal Tis the season for entertaining, and TJ's Country Corner has the tastiest meats around. Kiska, Silta, and many types of potato sausage, including Swedish, Michigan, and wild rice. Plus the tastiest homemade wieners. For over 40 years, TJ's in Mattawa has been making the best sausages around with no fillers. At TJ's, they say our worst is best. You better believe it. TJ's Country Corner, online at ourworstisbest.com, or stop in seven days a week just off I-35 in Mattawa. TJ's Country Corner. This is David Carlson, pastor of Gloria Day Lutheran Church, thanking you for your prayerful support after our fire. While we make plans to rebuild, join us for worship at our temporary site, 51st Avenue East and Glenwood Street. Gloria Day blends the best of tradition with a variety of music. We welcome all people into a living relationship with God, and we seek to put our faith into action. Worship is Sunday morning at 10 a.m., broadcast live here on WDSM. All of our worship services are also streaming live on the internet at gloriadayduluth.org. Come join KDAL. It's our annual trip to Ballard's Resort, February 21st through the 23rd. It's an all-inclusive walleye getaway. The ice fishing adventure has it all. Round trip motor coach transportation, seven meals, two nights of lodging, two days guided walleye fishing with all the equipment included. The trip sells out every year, so get signed up now for only $435 per person. For full details or to book your spot, go to KDAL610.com. We're alive and well in the dead of winter. It's another official Winterfest event from 610 and FM 103.9. KDAL. But drive home with Levin. Making things crystal clear. You know, John McCain goes on, I want regular order, I want this to be bipartisan. As only he can. How can it be bipartisan when you have one political party and a handful of progressives within the Republican Party? Mark Levin. Who do not support liberty, who do not support choice other than when it comes to abortion, who do not support competition. For all their talk about trashing monopolies in the private sector, the most powerful monopoly is the federal government. Mark Levin, every weekday beginning at 5. On the Talk of the North, 710 and FM 98.1. WTSM. AM 710, and now on FM at 98.1. For WDSM time, 926. Brad, we're still dealing with some very cold temperatures in the area. A minus 19 at the Duluth Airport. Hey, uh, Kenny, you're a little younger than me. Everybody's a little younger than me. But uh, you're a little younger than me. But do you ever remember the weatherman named Jack McKenna? Of course. Do you remember his classic line, the one night it was so cold? Yes. That Refresh our memories, Brad. Trouble. Well, he's he said kind of at the end of his show, he said, well, it's going to be like 25 below tonight, so make sure you take in your brass monkeys tonight. <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't remember that. I remember Jack McCann. Oh, I don't remember that. 
<laughs> and he just left it at that. He didn't talk anything about the um, nomenclature of the monkeys or anything else, but he just he just left your mind wondering. And I, I remember my grandfather. I was sitting there with my grandfather watching it at the time, and I swear to God, I thought my grandfather was going to fall right off his chair <laughs> with laughing so hard. That's pretty classical. That's so cool. Yeah, it is. But uh, uh, no. So so guys, what what else happens in this kind of cold? What, maybe uh, again, you already you already kind of insinuated that maybe if it's thirty below, you're not going to be out there doing this because of the equipment problems. But but there's there is some advantages to it. You talked a little bit already about the fact that. Uh, um, you know, you can you can travel across areas that you could never get across before to get at those little honey spots out there. Yep. Another thing is firewood sales usually go better if you're selling firewood, but that's a small Not percentage sure. of everything that we do. I mean, it's extremely small, but um, there is advantages. The disadvantages is it just gets cold, but you, you need that. The big thing for like the forest around here, you do need the cold weather for the conifers and that to exist here. The forests are here because of the weather. Because of the moisture ah. and the cold weather, if you don't have that, it will. As you go farther south, you'll notice that certain trees dis- dissipate out. Oh, absolutely! And, and the yeah. farther north you get, certain trees exist more. So you have to have that weather for those trees to happen. Well, you know the, the cold weather. That, go ahead. I'm sorry, Brad. Well, I was going to say my wife noticed that the first year we drove down south here to Florida for the winter. Uh, the further we got down, it, it got greener. We we had come down in the late fall. The trees were all, you know, leaves had all gone and everything. But as we got south down here into Florida, it got greener. But she noticed, she said, but you notice the trees are altogether different. Yep, They're totally, totally different. Mm-hmm. Well, the winter uh, in Minnesota, Brad, 65% of the timber that's harvested in Minnesota occurs in the wintertime because of these very reasons that we're talking about. So, um this this is something we need, uh, the logging industry needs. Actually, with a minimal amount of snow on the ground in this area, uh, this frost is getting established pretty well, and hopefully it'll be a good year as long as the mills don't fill up with wood too early and then shut the guys off in February and say, uh, we don't want yeah. any more wood right now. So um, it's, it's a balance, uh, but, uh, yeah, 65% of the timber is harvested in Minnesota during the winter months because of the uh, frozen ground conditions mm-hmm. that are required. You know, Scott, uh, maybe you and Peter can both uh, talk about this. I know we're going to have to take our news break here in about a minute, but maybe maybe you think about this during the news break, and then when we come back after it, we can talk a little bit. There's been a lot of, uh, a lot of stories in the paper about uh, mills that have taken on new approaches uh, because the paper industry is way down. I mean, we... A lot of the mills in northern Minnesota were built on calendar paper, high gloss mm-hmm. paper, yep. and uh, and and writing papers and things, and that is dropped way way down. So you've got places like uh, Sappy up there in Cloquet that are still doing as much wood, but they're doing it in wood fiber products that they're converting into clothing. Right, and so maybe you two can think a little bit and. Uh, and talk when we come back after the news break about what you see as the future of the wood industry. I, I would have never thought, for example, that I would ever wear a bamboo shirt. 
But I'll tell you, they're one of the most comfortable shirts I own is is a shirt that's made out of a bamboo fiber. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Kenny, I know we're at that time. We want to try to stay on task. Let's, uh, let's do our news break, and then we'll come back with uh, Scott Dane and Peter Wood from the uh, Associated... Northern, well, come on, help me out, guys. Scott, it's okay. Well, Scott, it's okay down there. You know, in, in, in that blue I hair know. country where you're living yeah. down there, the dementia and everything else. That's understandable. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, Jeez. <laughs> go ahead. Associated contract loggers and truckers of Minnesota. There Thank we, you. There we are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be right back. Giant redwood, large. The fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On uh, Wednesday, I go I'm to the laboratory. <laughs> hey, hey, Brad, yes. you know, that, that song um, reminds me of, I, I was out in D.C. about two or three weeks ago. Um, and uh, I got called up from some guys I used to work with in D.C. said, Scott, we'd like you to come out here to D.C. since you represent the logging industry of Minnesota, and we're having the ultimate guys' night out. Oh, boy. I thought, okay, what do you guys got in mind? So we're going to go to this place called Bad Axe Throwing, and a bunch of cityots, you know, yeah, a bunch of cityots will get together in these urban areas, and they'll go throw axes at targets and have competition. And he oh, said, that's kind of like God. logging, so maybe you should come out here and join us. So I thought, you know sure. what, that might be kind of fun. So I went out there, and uh, I was with this group of about 20 guys uh, throwing axes for three hours, you know, competing and having a good time. And it was actually quite a unique bonding experience, you know, networking and all that kind of stuff. Everybody still have their fingers <laughs> when you're done? Yeah, yeah, it went really well and everything. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that these city people will do activities like this so they can feel as yes. though they're... You know, old-fashioned, real men, or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, well, they want to feel more manly, don't they, Scott? <laughs> I, they wanna... I, I think that's the case. I think that's yeah. the case. It brings up back their, um, you know... Original roots? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, But I was out there in D.C., and uh, I thought that was pretty interesting to, to uh, represent the logging industry and throw axes. Absolutely. Throw axes. I love it. Yeah. And, in fact... Um, now my mind, as you were talking, as you were telling that tale, Scott, my mind was going back to the Johnny Carson show. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Did you remember that? We talked about that while we were out there in D.C. That, yeah, oh, when the axe oh, wound up. Yeah. See, Peter's like, what is he talking about? When that axe wound up um, strategically right placed right the between the guy's crotch. legs. And, and, yeah, exactly. And the axe handle was. Uh, yeah. going to sing soprano? <laughs> And Johnny Johnny Carson could make you laugh without ever saying a word, and that's what he did in this in this instance. He just walked over, kind of crossed his legs a little bit, kind of looked at the guy that had thrown it, and uh, never said a word. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Wow. Oh, See, Brad, God. if I could chime in real quickly, we had a, a comment on our Facebook page from a listener, and he had a question for uh, 
for uh, Pete Wood. Uh, he said he had Absolutely. eight. Yeah, he said he had eighty acres of land that has a lot of oak. However, the balsam fir <laughs> is starting to overgrow it. What is balsam good for? So it sounds, Pete, like he wants to get rid of the balsam and keep the oak. If that if that's a listener's idea that he wants to do with his land, what I would do is I would start pulling the balsam out of there. It's going to be a little bit tough, but I would get the balsam out and kind of balsam. There's uh, the paper mill in Duluth does take balsam. It has to be in a roundwood form. It has to be 100 inches long, and they do take it. You can contact maybe a local logger that might want to do it, but a lot of loggers this time of year are booked solid right through the winter, even two years, yeah. and so it would be very difficult. But if you have just little balsams, they make beautiful Christmas trees if you want to do the pruning. But if you have to pretty much try and pull those little individual balsams out of there, because they will, if if your object is to make the oak mature more and get a better um, winter um, oak forest, you'd have to pull those balsams out because they're going to keep coming a bit. They're they're slower acting. Like you'll get the aspen if you cut off an aspen stand with balsam, the aspen will come back right away, and about six seven years later, the balsam will start coming. You think it's gone, but it's not. It's there. So I would do is I would start pulling it out of there one way or another or have somebody come in and harvest it out of there. But if you're not sure about the logger, I always send the past. Um, check them out. Go look at their job sites. Have references. See what was the kind of job they did so you're not blindsided or anything and you're happy with it and you agree with it, then you can go with it. But if you're not sure, just uh, do some checking. County commissioners are another good place to go check. What uh, They'll give you a good advice on that. Land commissioners. Yeah, land commissioners. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and like you say, they make a great Christmas tree. And if you catch them at the right time, you can log them and, and you know, get them, cut them, and get them out of there and sell them for uh, Christmas trees. But yeah. you've got to be at the right time, I would think. Another thing you can do if I always want to try this is take the limbs and put them into a bag and take them in the house, and they'll throw a tremendous aroma. Only thing is, when you bring them in the house this time of year, if there's any bugs in there, they come alive, too. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's the downside but it yeah. does balsam has just a tremendous tremendous aroma of natural it just smells beautiful actually to a scent yeah but. say uh guys we had talked from time to time uh i want i want you to go back into this discussion now about uh the changing industry of of wood per, uh you know wood harvesting yep. uh you, you know you guys used to ship most of your stuff for matches for paper are you finding out more and more now that uh, mills to stay alive are having to uh, adapt and overcome, maybe go into fiber products or those kinds of things? They have to adjust. They have to adapt. The Sappy did that, what, probably five, seven, eight years ago. I don't remember when they went yeah. from regular just paper making only to they're just, now they do rayon product for clothing. They got into that real heavy because they knew there was going to be a shortage and they knew that the paper industry was going the other way. That's why, like, over in Grand Rapids, Blandin, their Aspen line is going to be shut down here. It could be shut down any day now or it could wait till spring, but I think it's going to go fairly soon where they're going to shut down their Aspen line because the paper product that they're producing, the line that they're using, from what I've been told, I don't ship there, but what is happening is becoming very unprofitable. So they will be yeah. shutting that down. So the consumption of aspen there is going to go down to next to nothing. They'll take a little bit, but very, very little. And so huh. it's uh, the 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 timber industry is the same, but it also is rapidly changing all the time. The rapid changes is the consumption and what people want to use. Everybody has their own personal phones now, personal computers, and very few people yeah. even get the newspaper. It's getting thinner, whether it's the ability of the paper or the people just don't want to buy the paper. It's it, you have to adapt. All business people, if you don't adapt, you're going to die. 
It's yeah. just plain and simple. You'll It may take years. It could take 10 years, 15 years. But if you're not slowly changing, paying attention, watching what's going on with the government, your officials, you will be consumed. The bad yeah. side for like myself is I'm not very good with the computer and I don't really want to be good with it, but that's my own fault. But I do have my personal phone, which I know okay about, but it's not good to be that way. You want to learn with the times so you can adjust to what's really going on. So these paper mills, if they don't slowly and keep steadily trying to adjust to what's going on in society, you will die. It will happen. Well, guys, I'm sure that you've noticed yourself like I have. Uh, it wasn't too many years ago, maybe a dozen at the most, that I used to get uh, 100, 150 Christmas cards from people, from guys that I served with in the military and different yep. people all over. I'll be lucky if I get a dozen now. You're probably keeping in contact, I imagine, through the Internet is probably what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting. I'm getting these cute little artsy-fartsy uh, Facebook posts of a glittering Christmas tree mm -hmm. or Santa flying across the North Pole or something like that. And they consider that the personal touch that you're contacting you and giving you a, an email or a Facebook post. Yep. But very few people are writing out letters, writing cards. Of course, we all know that's been a huge downturn of the postal industry. It has. So all industries evolve. They, they move on. You, they change. Just like the timber industry, we slowly do change. We slowly, we, how it started 100 years ago for my family has greatly changed. Now, what we do have is a little surprise here is um, my nephew, Matthew Wood, put together a tremendous uh, YouTube video you can watch, and it's up and running right now. Kenny will be able to tell people where it is, but it, what it is, is is my family's history of cutting wood, and it goes ah. back, it starts out back in the early 50s, how it was there, and then it goes to modern day, and it keeps going back and forth from old to new, old to new, so you can see the differences what took place. And I narrated it and talked about what really is going on. And you can watch the video. It's about 16, 17 minutes long. And you okay. go through uh, WDSM 710. You can go through it and watch it. And it's actually, did, he did, Matthew did just a beautiful job. And I'm very happy how it turned out. And you can watch how things have evolved, how things have changed, where the trucks, what they look like back in 1952. And it was brand new back then. And then you come to last winter was 2016, 17, which is still in this year. You can see what a modern truck looks like. You can look at what old skidders look like and what new skidders look like and how we cut wood today and how we cut wood back then. And it keeps going back and forth about logging in Minnesota, and it's, and it's, it's all in my family, but that's what we had. And actually, I'm amazed that we actually had, I think it's either Regular 8 or Super 8 movie camera, so there's no music or anything. He put the music in, he put, and I narrate it of back in the 50s. I don't know who, who really took the pictures because I don't know if the family members had any camera like that. So you know how you used to have those old cameras, personal cameras? Yes. And yep. so some of that is off that, but you can watch it on YouTube, and Kenny will have to describe how to get to it through, I think, their Facebook or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's on our Facebook page, Brad. So if our listeners just go to the WDSM Facebook page, uh, we've got it listed there, the attached video. And uh, incidentally, uh, the Let the Sawdust Fly segment also has its own podcast. And you go Excellent. To, yeah, you go to WDSM710.com, click on podcast, and uh, j just above Sound Off, you can find 
find Let the Sawdust Fly and listen to those episodes. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, real quickly, because we have to take our last break of the hour and then move on to some other things that we've yep. got scheduled. But uh, can you give us a little uh, a little hint, a little idea of what you might have in store for us in the next uh, segments ahead? Oh, any boy. special plans? Or? Uh, working on it takes to get anybody from a major company. It takes time because yeah. whenever yeah. whenever we bring anybody in, like the state trooper, that was about a five four five month talk through work through. <laughs> was it really? It's a long time, yeah. So and to get the lady from John Deere, that was probably four months. So when oh, you get yeah. somebody in here, it isn't like they just showed up yesterday. It takes listeners. It does take months to get it lined up. So. Right now, I hope to have a local guy back next week, but I am working on other major companies to be brought in to talk about it because um, it's so that anybody listening can get a better view or understand what really goes on. But if you really want to see modern and old logging, go to the YouTube page and watch it. it, it he did my, my nephew did an excellent job putting it together, and you'll, hopefully everybody enjoys it. Oh, I think they will. Well, uh, Scott and Peter, I want to wish you both a happy new year. Your next time you come back to us, we'll be into the year 2018. But thank you so much for being a big part of our show. People look forward to your segments all month long. So, Kenny, let's take our last break thank of hour number two, and then we'll be right back.